Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Navigator podcast. I'm your host, Marquise Harris, and I have the pleasure of serving as the Executive Director for Inclusion and Belonging here at JCCC. This episode is going to be one where we're talking about the journey to meaningful intercultural connection. We're going to answer the question, what is intercultural connection. And we're going to do that with the help of a very special guest who I have the honor of introducing, who is our newest team member to the Office of Inclusion and Belonging, the coordinator of intercultural development, Duran Washington. Duran, welcome. How are you feeling? Thank you. What a warm welcome. I feel good. I'm glad to be here. It's an honor. Well, it is a pleasure to have you here. We're excited to have you not only at the college with the expertise that you bring, but also to help us navigate this world because it is when we talk about intercultural connection, we know that it is one for some might be a bit nuanced and we're often trying to figure out how do we do this thing and what does this thing even mean? But I promise for the listeners out there, we're, we're, and those that are viewing, that we're going to go deeper into that. We're going to unpack this. But I do want to first give you the floor and the space to give a little bit more introduction about yourself, your background, anything you believe that will help just those that are tuning in to understand a bit more about you and what you bring to the table. Wonderful. Sure. Well, um, I started off studying psychology and sociology. It was something about sociology that just made me realize that there was language to help describe what was happening with people as it relates to their identities, where they're from, and the relationship between other people and those things. And I really, really enjoyed the way it felt to just study sociology. I first wanted to go into psychology and I wanted to go into counseling psychology, but it was just something about sociology that was just amazing to me. It just made sense. Life began to make sense with that. And I noticed that a lot of young people studying sociology, they have that experience too. And out of that work, I did do a little bit of counseling, but when things began to take shape for me in my career, it was when I became basically a professional development trainer for social workers throughout mm. Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And it was during that time that the social workers were coming into the space asking questions about community, yeah. about identity, and about culture. They wanted culturally informed curriculum to work with their parents with. Mm -hmm. And there weren't a lot of that available at the time. Yeah. And I think at that time, my mind started opening up to how culture and identity and our lived experiences we can't separate from that. It's it's in every field, it's in every discipline, it is a part of us. Out of that, I went into being um, an adjunct professor of sociology for a couple of years. That was wonderful. I loved it and enjoyed it. But again, I, I felt myself being called back to the professional development space. Right. And so around 2017, 18, I started moving more into DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion work for educators. And so I did that for a while and I've been doing that and it's been amazing. Mm -hmm. And what brings me here today is that we're still in this capacity talking about culture, training, development, building the empathy and the stamina to recognize ourselves and culture and how to relate to other people and feel comfortable in that. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's such a, it's such a powerful connection wise because there was something that you brought up. You talked about that where sometimes we think about 
we're trying to separate out these pieces of us in certain spaces where oftentimes it may be a real reality that 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 may be true. But but more importantly, even about your journey and as you shared that of the psychology, thinking about how, how people make sense of this and thinking also about the sociology and thinking about the connection of how just people engage with one another, where that naturally goes hand in hand with this idea of intercultural development. And if if you could, because that's part of the title of the role uh, that you have, obviously. But what could you share about what is intercultural development? Because I know we'll talk about intercultural connection here here soon. But when, when you think about intercultural development, what is it and how do you see it impacting the campus more? Wonderful. When I think about intercultural development, it looks different based off of industry, where you are. But I think, especially with where we are, thinking about the latter of your question, I think about how we are in higher education and about how our students, our young people, are getting prepared to work in an environment, in, in a world that is becoming increasingly globalized, where there is... Uh, quite potential for them to interact with people who are of a different culture than they are. And so when I think about the development of that, I think about, and I'm going to get into my soft words, my hard words, right? You know how I do. But I think about the opening of heart and I think about the opening of empathy because in intercultural development, there is this ability to allow there to be space for someone to share their narratives about who they are and create boundaries about how we interact with each other and how to respect cultural similarities and differences. So there are a lot of tenets of that. I'm trying to stay on track here, but I just think about this capacity building of people feeling comfortable enough to allow there to be space to learn about other people and their cultural differences and similarities. Yeah, and, and, and it's important also to note when we think about that is that it's not this one-sided approach to this work, right. that it's so complex. And, and if we try to oversimplify it to only being about language, for example, or only being about race or only being about uh, what country a person comes from, we miss the complexity where you got a diversity of needs, abilities, whether it be intellectual, physical. There's so many different dynamics that come into play that when we think about how we do this effectively, the developmental side of it is where your background comes in as a trainer, being able to do that and on the West Coast, knowing how important the work is. Welcome to the Midwest again, right. knowing that this is, it, it just looks different in different spaces. And and thinking about the focus of the podcast being that, that journey to meaningful intercultural connection, what does that mean to you? Like if, if, if somebody came up to you and said, Duran, what does meaningful intercultural connection even mean? Like, how does that, how does that resonate? What, what stands out? The first thing that's coming to my mind is trust. And so I think about trust and empathy as being kind of like sisters, but not twins. And what I mean by that is if I have empathy for you, if there's a, a space within me that is comfortable enough in my own understanding about who I am culturally, and there's this empathy space, there's room for me to trust that you are clear about who you are in your own culture and your boundaries are clear mm -hmm. and that you are in a place where you recognize that you know how you need me to show up in your journey and in your experiences, being a respecter 
of your culture. Rather, those are differences and similarities. And so I'm not exactly sure if that answers it completely, but I think when you ask that question, those two words came up, kind of like that yeah. empathy and that trust, just trusting that people get to be the narratives, narrators of their story yeah. and of their experiences and allowing there to be a space for that to just be in flow, right? Yeah. I think oftentimes, and I may be going off track mm. here, I apologize no, if I am, but I think oftentimes when we are still in the process of becoming aware of who we are in relationship to society and the world, if we still have parts of us that are kind of rigid or we're not exactly clear about who we are in relationship to everyone else, we might find ways in communication to block other people and how mm. they want to show up authentically and who they are and sharing with us. Yeah. So we might get a little bit uncomfortable when they're sharing where they're from, what they do for a living, their age, you know, what they eat, you know, what, what, whatever it is about them that makes them clear about who they are and the signifiers of their culture. Mm -hmm. So I think that the trust is allowing there to be this space to know that what it means to be culturally connected, interculturally connected, is that it's okay that there's space and that people get to show up how they need to show up. And it's, we're going to be safe. It's, it's safe for people to have yeah. their differences and similarities. Yeah. And I think, you know, something you said, if there was a figurative, you know, a metaphorical mic drop moment was recognizing when we say that trust and empathy are related and, and you use the term sisters, not twins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so when, when thinking about that analogy and, and how important that is to the work of our personal narratives and, and knowing that the meaningfulness comes when it means something to the individual and it, it seems like a play on the words of like, you know, meaningful, duh, that, that would make that make sense. However, how often do we think about this reality where individuals have to show up in a space that isn't true to them? So how can it be meaningful to them? Because there's that lack of authenticity, because sometimes the environment does not allow for that. But I would argue that if we're intentional about how we develop that and how we're thinking about about it, that there are natural outcomes of intercultural connection, a positive intercultural connection. So what would you say when you think about like some natural outcomes to intercultural connection if, for those out there? Well said. All of those pieces. I wish I had my notes out. I want to take some notes on what you just said so I can meditate on that. What comes to mind is some of what you said. Um, I was hearing with what you're saying, inclusion and belonging, just in, in your words, reading between the lines. I think there's an opportunity for people to be able to show up in who they are and know that they're still going to be treated um, with respect. Yeah. That whether it's in their positions or their roles as students, that showing up authentically, your culture flowing through you, so we're seeing the elements of your culture as you're showing up in your behavior, that that's okay, and that you're still going to be respected, you're still going to be addressed, you're still going to be acknowledged, uh, your, your pronouns are gonna still be acknowledged, you know, uh, where you're from, how you need to have your, for students, the learning modality, modalities are there, like they're still respected as an individual who is deserving of the best. And so when I, again, going back just to make it very clear, when I think about intercultural development and a positive outcome, I think I see people who feel comfortable coming to work, faculty and staff. I see students who are coming into an environment where they know they get to shine and whatever that looks like for them. Yeah. 
but they're leaving campus, faculty, staff, students, feeling whole. They don't feel like they just went to a place where there was something that was reduced in them or there was a, some type of subtraction process within their identifier. So now they're leaving this facility, this institution, feeling a little bit less than who they naturally are because to be in this space means that they have to shed off pieces of, the, of their being to be here. So I think about people leaving here, going into the rest of their lives, in their careers, students, feeling healthier and stronger and more empowered in who they are and knowing how to narrate their stories in a way that feels good to them, mm. being, being true narrators of their story and their experiences. Man, there are, there are some things that, 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 that you mentioned in there. And, and the word I want to zoom in on is this word of being whole, this wholeness that when we, when we talk about showing up to a space, especially in an educational capacity, that there's, a, there's, there's naturally that, that curiosity that allows for this this level being poured into, because whether it be knowledge in the case, whether it be experiences, that in essence help an individual transition to a point of A to B to meet said outcome or said goal or said achievement. And so when you think about this idea of wholeness and the, the complexity of culture we talked about, uh, if those that have listened to the, the the previous episode, we talked about the layers of culture being what one sees, experiences, and believes, and they're in the depth, whether it be surface, shallow, and deep, and knowing that how we interact with an individual at whatever level helps then dictate experiences over the course of X amount of time and building that trust. And I know for some, it's like we want to jump to the hard stuff. We want to talk about all the all the things that are going wrong and all the things that are happening in this society. And we're skipping some essential steps that build the foundation that starts with who we're looking at in the mirror. Mm. And we talk about that because especially with the work and how we approach this is it, it starts with the self-awareness side of it. If I can't acknowledge what it is that I may experience when it's just me, whether I might be looking in a mirror, I may be reflecting on the key values and traits that help drive what it is that I do, then how can I effectively then build a bridge with someone else? Because they're not ever truly seeing who it is that I see in the mirror or who I believe I see in the mirror. It's who I potentially want them to believe that they see in the mirror. And I think the challenge with that that I've encountered and I think about where, where we are right now is how do we truly cultivate a space and a campus where individuals do sense that level where they do feel like they belong? And, and, and we'll talk about this idea of belonging in coming episodes a lot deeper. However, when we think about the opportunity ahead, there's there's something you brought up. You talked about the sisters. You talked about trust and you talked about empathy. But I want you, you know, if you could expand on this just a little bit. How do you see empathy and intercultural connection coming together and, and, and why you almost can't have one without the other? Or, you know, what, what could you share there? Yeah, wonderful question. I think there are layers to it. And I think that people have to come to their understanding as it makes sense for, for them and their growth. Yeah. But I, I will share it how it's been making sense to me in my journey and in my life. 
I think that oftentimes for most folks, when you think about empathy and the, the definition of empathy, we think about the affect piece of it, the emotionalism that comes with it. I think that's wonderful to, to have empathy and to feel the emotion of whoever you are interacting with who's sharing with you their narrative. I think that's a beautiful thing. But some of us are not there. You know, we, we live in a reality where there are many opportunities to be divorced from emotion so that you can just be able to get through life. Mm. To be an emotional being sometimes means that you're too sensitive. You can't be in leadership. There are a lot of can'ts and no's with being um, a person who is showing up in emotion, unfortunately, where we're trying to change that. So for those folks who are wondering, how do I do empathy if I'm still learning how to be in my feeling body, feeling my emotions, feeling joy and love and respect for other people or whatever it is, I think of empathy as being an opportunity to think about trust, yeah. right? So that's the twins and the sisters thing. So empathy, I think, can also be expressed through trust when if someone is sharing with you that they've had an experience where maybe, and unfortunately this is a trigger warning for us, but maybe they were accosted someone because they're um, an immigrant or someone said something harmful to them because they are an English language learner. So the trust becomes an opportunity because in that moment, having the curiosity to say something like, I wanna hear more, tell me what that experience was like for you. You may have never had that experience at all, that that's just not your narrative, that's not a part of your cultural fabric, but you are allowing there to be space, again, to, to be present with them, so you're trusting that what they're feeling, what they're saying is real. Sometimes when we're still working on trust and empathy, it might look like, are you sure that's what they meant when they said that to you? Are you sure that was a signifier, signifier that they're uncomfortable with who you are as an English language learner? The reasoning brain, the cerebral brain, we, we need that data. I think we're conditioned to wanna ask those questions or ask those questions. But I think that when we're being empathetic, even if the emotionalism is not there, when we're being empathetic in trust, it, it, it really doesn't serve to ask questions about the other party involved because you're being present with the person who's sharing their narrative and story with you now. Mm -hmm. And so going back to a former question you asked when I think about building intercultural competence or doing intercultural development, I think it's more of that at the first stages. Can we cultivate a culture where people get to be owners of their story yeah. and we not change it for other people? or attempt to add pieces to make people think that maybe they have it wrong about how they're experiencing the world. I know for the most part, if not for all of what we're doing, we're, we're trying to support young people, our students to be critical thinkers, mm -hmm. but to also be clear about their experiences. And I think in doing that, you have to allow there to be space to start navigating how they're experiencing things. And I think that, and I'll say this last piece, I think when you allow people to have space to be owners of their stories, share what their experiences are, and we not question that, that also supports people to get back into their emotion, to, under mm -hmm. to understand who they are as a feeling body, um, coming from a space where maybe culturally you could not feel emotion, yeah. you could not feel fear, you couldn't feel these things. So, so I think it's a process and I think it's gradual, but for the most part, what I've seen for me is that empathy and that trust really, really supports people to start getting comfortable in themselves to narrate their stories, mm. to be in culture, and then that usually tends to support intercultural development and competence. Yeah. No, that's that's so very well said in the context that being owners of the stories, of our stories, 
and not allowing the other, the opposite to happen where others become the owners of the stories because then who controls the narrative? Ooh, and sure. and we often recognize that perception is reality. And if there's a perception that a story was out beforehand about, you know, you, you've been read this way, mm-hmm. no matter how much it is, and, and especially in such a, a dynamic workforce and workplace, especially when I think more on the employee side of the work, there are so many different generational values that exist at the exact same time individuals that were born when we think about how different were generation z is here on campus and 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 really coming into the workforce officially while we know we have our boomer generation that 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 have been here for some times that are generally speaking are more seasoned and veteran that have been here for years and in those upper managerial uh, areas now thinking about how even the cultural dynamics that exist between generations show up and how a person may show up to work how a person may respond to certain feedback. That is where you really begin to dive deeper into this idea that culture goes beyond what we can often think it does. And there's there, there there's so much depth. But going back to this idea of empathy and when it's not present, what happens on the other side of that? Like so so how does that if you could paint a picture of visually your how would one envision a space where when trying to engage across different cultures and dynamics where empathy isn't present, what what might that show up as? I wish you all can zoom in on my face going like, oh, right? Um, don't don't zoom in on my face going off. <laughs> <laughs> but but me expressing the emotion of, whew, there there's so many things that come up. Unfortunately, and again, trigger warning, I think you will see a lot of what's happening now unfortunately, and we don't need to, you know, go into all of the pieces of that. But I think a lot of what people are feeling and experiencing right now is traversing networks and professional spaces where there is no empathy. So, so some of us, whoever is viewing this, when it's time to view this, are probably like, I'm feeling that today. But the other side of that, um, and I'm, I'm thinking you meaning the lack of empathy, right? For sure. Thank you. I think that, I think on the person who is being the receiver of information, right? Going back to that hypothetical that I just yeah. described, someone is sharing a narrative, you are the, the person who's listening. The the side of empathy that is not there on the person who's receiving the message, we don't get to change and grow. Mm. So we just kind of get to stay the same, yeah. right? And I think that staying the same, not changing, not growing, not opening up that heart space to hear, to learn, I think that sometimes that comes from a place of fear. Maybe you don't know how to respond. You don't know a world where you know maybe who you are is accepting and understanding. So the the point is the same. You get to stay the same and stay yeah. here. And it's safe there. It's yeah. absolutely safe there. So that's on the part of the person who's receiving the message. Yeah. And then going back to what I just shared, the person who's sharing the narrative, I think it feels more of what we're experiencing and what people are saying they're experiencing is a an environment where there's fear about full self-expression. Yeah. There's fear about how to advocate for your needs as a student, for example. Yeah. Am I comfortable raising my hand here, right, yeah. for example? So that might have an impact on your learning or how you're turning out your grades. You know, there's there's a legacy of what that can do when you're showing up in a space and you don't feel like there's empathy or trust for you to be clear about who you are as a cultural being. So I'm not sure if that fully yeah. answers it, but th- those are the two 
things that I, I feel are kind of coming up for me when you ask that question. Yeah, no, and that and, and you did. You summed up the other side of it because it is there's that lack of acknowledging that my reality is what I truly experience. Mm. And yes. if I'm not able to tell my truth and let my truth be my truth without it being questioned, the integrity of it being questioned, how can I then feel confident to show up to a space to make myself vulnerable in a learning environment where the learning environment by nature says there's a lack of something that I have that I have to be in this space to gain. And so naturally the, the, the environment is, has to be conducive of that. And so as, as we, as we sort of wrap this, this, this piece of this particular episode up, there's a, there's a question as someone that might be listening or, or viewing this and trying to understand what do we do with this information? Like what, what are some practical action steps that we can take to begin that journey to meaningful intercultural connection? I think this is the most profound question. The response to, to questions like this for me are usually very similar to what I'm about to share because I think it starts with self-awareness. Mm -hmm. um, you and I know because, you know, of the, the work that we do, what we've been doing, we know that you can move a bus forward and inclusion and belonging, DEI and all that stuff. That, that's something you can do. You can get a team together. You can move the bus along and you can have your initiatives and you can make sure that those things are fulfilled. Mm-hmm. But we also know that sometimes that can be a hard road if the folks who are on the bus are using the bus as a way to evade personal under, understanding. Yeah. They say the, the most important study is self-study, and I, yeah. I agree with that. Are you aware of your own biases? Mm -hmm. And the biases that you know that you're, coming, you're becoming aware of, when, when you become aware, what do you do? Yeah. Do you close the cognitive dissonance gap by justifying the bias? Um, are you pretending like you don't see yourself? You know, I can go on and on and on about some of the ways that we avoid recognizing how we might be a little bit resistant to change and to cultural differences, yeah. but very welcoming to cultural similarities because they keep us safe. We understand yeah. that. Got it. So I would say one of the big pieces of where to begin is every day in your life, where you work, who you're interacting with. What is it like on Thanksgiving when the, the family's together, your, your family gatherings, whatever holiday, whatever event that is, when all of the family is together, what are those conversations like? What are people talking about? That is a signifier of where you might have an opportunity to start disenfranchising biases and beliefs that cut off your opportunity for multiculturalism mm -hmm. or the expansion of understanding people from different communities. Um, so I would say start there. When you are interacting with people that you perceive to be different, how do you feel? Do you shy away? Do you get uncomfortable? Do you get all sweaty? Sometimes that's a normal response. But again, when we think about the body and emotionalism, I'm talking about that a lot, your body and your emotions are always sending a signal to you about how you're feeling in the space. Pay attention to it. Mm. Is your heart beating? Do you feel fear? Don't penalize yourself for feeling it, but take note of it. Yeah. Because through what you start mapping out with yourself, what you notice, who you're around, who are your friends, 
through that, you will begin to know how to get in touch with yourself, Marquise, mm -hmm. or me, or different people to start understanding where your supports are going to come from. Yeah. Without that self-awareness, you might say, well, I, I want to do some inclusive work. I want to support inclusion and belonging. But if you haven't done that work, you might find yourself on a bus and you might not be exactly comfortable about, about where it's going mm -hmm. because you haven't spent time understanding what it is about you, who you are as a yeah. cultural being in relationship to this larger fabric. Yeah. And you might have a hard time pinpointing actually what to extrapolate from society, from education, as a resource to support you yeah. in becoming more interculturally aware. Wow. Profound. Appreciate that. And, you know, thanks so much for the insight that, that you've been able to share just in this short period of time that our campus will have the opportunity to learn more from because eventually you will be, be in this space fully, fully taking it over to be able to say, how do we do this effectively? What what are the different tips and strategies? And and for those that are are tuned in, uh, one of the other areas that you have an opportunity to engage with is with our Office of Inclusion and Belonging. And so with the work that you'll be doing, we have different tools, different resources that are available to help individuals navigate this. So if you're in this space where you're like, I'm ready and I'm just I just don't know where to start reach out to us and we can help begin that journey because whether you're you're like, I'm starting at ground zero and I just kind of want to build from there. You feel like you've been in it for a little bit. We can help those that feel like they're very well advanced along that track or feel like they're somewhere down towards the beginning of that journey. I want you to remember this, and this is something we will talk about so much, yes. is we're all on this journey together. If we don't recognize we are all on this journey together, we'll never feel like we're all a part of it. Mm. And that somebody will always going to be on the outside looking in. And that is not the case. Just because we may help lead the work across the institution does not mean that we ourselves are not also on this journey. And so as you, you grow forward and as individuals go forward, if you don't know where our office is, we're in COM 200. Uh, visit us. We'd love to be able to connect with you. Uh, if, you if you're wondering how to contact us, email us at belonging at jccc.edu. You can find us on LinkedIn now. We have our LinkedIn. We have the web page on the main website. Whatever capacity individuals want to. We're also on Instagram as well. So that, that that's another thing. And I cannot forget our monthly newsletter for individuals to be a part of. So if you want to stay up to date on the different events that are happening, the different things that are going on. Those are just ways that we just want to continue to be a resource. If you have ideas, you, maybe you have a question about something that we talked about today and you want to engage deeper, maybe in a future episode, send us, talk to us. We'd love to be able to hear from you. And so Durant, I'll give you the floor. Any final words that you'd like to share with the group? I think that this has been a wonderful experience. Thank you. This was wonderful. I feel held in this conversation. So shouts out to you. And um, I really hope that you visit us. I'd like to connect with you all um, and let the journey begin. So until next time, we look forward to continuing on that journey to meaningful intercultural connection here on the Culture Navigator podcast.